Have you ever wanted to hit the restart button? We are living in a remarkable time in our world's history. The whole world is at a standstill and will soon have to hit the restart button themselves. But right now, you have the opportunity to change your life and I will give you four ways you can hit the restart button in your spiritual life and come out of this pandemic with greater awareness of God and His purpose for your life. The very first step in hitting the restart button is to diagnose the problem. You have to answer the question, why exactly do you want to restart? If you're like me, or most of the world, life will progressively become busier and busier, and if you don't tell your time where to go, your time will begin telling you where to go. My goal is not to give you tips to fill the space in your schedule until this pandemic is over. Instead, I want to empower you to create a schedule that prioritizes these four godly habits for the rest of your life. And here is how you can accomplish that goal. Instead of filling the gaps in your current schedule with more to-dos, I encourage you to place cornerstones at each end of your day that will give you the best foundation to build all of your plans. That way, the cornerstones or the four godly habits you're about to learn will always stay prioritized even once life returns to normal. Once you place these cornerstones in your day, you will discover how God has designed your entire life to focus on what He's doing in the world. Then, not only will you recognize God's working in the world, but you will recognize God's will for your own life. Cornerstone number one is this, to read God's Word, the Bible. The only way you will begin to truly understand God's will for your life is by reading the very words He has given to the world. Here's what the Bible tells you about reading God's Word. Psalm 119, 9-16 says this, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. See, Psalm 119 tells you that God's word will teach you how to live God's way by guarding your life according to what the Bible teaches you. It'll help you delight in the same things that God delights in. And thirdly, it will teach you the importance of fixing your eyes on God and not forgetting the words that he has said. In the New Testament, 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells you that God's word is good for these things, teaching you how to live life, convicting you towards God's heart, correcting your mistakes, and training you to live life God's way. Reading God's word is the first cornerstone because God's instructions should set the trajectory for the rest of your day. That is why I believe reading God's word should be the very first part of your morning. Cornerstone number two, praying. The best person you could ever take cues on how to live your life is the only human that has ever lived life perfectly. You guessed it, Jesus. Jesus teaches you exactly how important prayer is in your life. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says this, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus gives you three aspects of a healthy prayer life. You need a time, you need a place, and you need a prayer plan. Matthew 6, 5-13 gives you this prayer plan that, that Christ has given us to pray, and it says this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, 
For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. God's desire for your prayer life is that you do this. Pray genuinely, pray privately, and pray specifically. You can do it this way. Acknowledge God's position, that God is king, that he is holy, and he is our father. Secondly, you need to acknowledge God's plan for the world, that his kingdom is coming, that his will is for people to repent and trust in him. That means that you have a part to play in God's kingdom plan, to share the gospel. So pray for those opportunities. Then you need to ask for your daily needs. It's not a long list of things you want, but it's a simple prayer acknowledging your dependence on God for your daily needs. Then you need to confess your sins to God. As Christians, we are forgiven in Christ at salvation. That's called justification. However, a Christian's life should be marked by regular repenting, confessing our sins to God frequently. And then finally, ask God to keep you from sin and from evil. Praying is essential to living out God's plan for your life. Prayer is your opportunity to talk to God and respond to his words from the Bible. But just like Jesus, you have to have a plan and you need to protect that plan. Which brings us to cornerstone number three, protect your time with God. I get it. We are all incredibly busy. That is specifically why cornerstone number three is fundamental for you to prioritize reading God's word and praying to God. Again, I'm pointing you to the one who perfected protecting time with God. Matthew 14, 22 through 23 says this, Immediately he made the disciples go into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed the crowd, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. See, Jesus sent the crowds home, told his disciples to go on without him, and went up on the mountain and prayed alone. Jesus spent a lot of time with people, more than you and me could ever imagine. But Jesus prioritized time with his Father because Jesus knew the way to stay in God's will is to stay in God's presence. So what does that mean for you? It means put down the phone, the tablet, the remote, social media, Netflix, Disney+, Hulu, Amazon Prime, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, you get the point. And intentionally walk away from the world and into time with God. There is also something else you can learn about the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. That is, the time they spent with one another. God and Jesus are seen interacting throughout all of the Gospels. That interaction should remind you of the importance of spiritually interacting with your own children. And that brings us to our last cornerstone, teaching your children about God. Cornerstones one through three, I would encourage you to complete in the morning. Cornerstone number four, however, I would strongly encourage you to complete in the evening when your children are ready for bed. As a pastor, and I hope you as a parent desire to take caution with your children when it comes to spiritual matters. You never want to convince your children that they are repentant Christians when they are just children who have knowledge of God. There's a huge difference between the two. However, you also don't want to take a passive position in your child's spiritual life. 
Second Timothy gives a great explanation of the relationship between your faith and your responsibility to your children. Paul is writing to his beloved son in the faith and gives some history of young Timothy's faith, as well as instruction on how to live out the faith he first learned through his mother and his grandmother, and then trusted in faith later on in his life when he was older. 2 Timothy 1, 5, and then chapter 3, 14 through 15 say this, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. As for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy gives insight on how to raise your children in God's word by doing these things, reminding you that your child's first exposure to faith will be in your own home. Also, that whatever you teach your child while they are young will continue with them when they're older. So that means this, you're responsible for acquainting your child to God's word while they are young so that, well, so that they will understand how to become a repentant Christian when they are older. Pass, passing God's word to the next generation is the responsibility of every believer. But for the parent, there is a special responsibility to disciple your children to faith in Jesus Christ by exposing them to God's word at an early age. These four cornerstones of godly living are essential habits for Christians. They create a daily template for you to live your life according to God's word. So today, resolve to do these things. Read God's word, the Bible. Pray. Protect your time with God and teach your children about God. I'm Pastor Hayden, and I hope you enjoyed this video. Subscribe to Compass Bible Church below and find more content for you and your family.